Uh, what's the phone rule at your Christmas table? When family and friends get together, what do people have to do with their devices? I've heard some people make everyone put their phones uh, in a stack on the table and then the first one to reach and grab their phone, well, they're the loser and they've got to uh, make a donation to charity or something like that. And that might be a good idea for your Christmas table. Uh, but what are the exceptions? What about taking photos of the amazing spread or recording a video of someone telling a special story? Uh, What if you're in a heated discussion and you know that a quick search to fact check will prove that you are right? Uh, For many, I reckon for most of us, the reality we often face is being physically present, but our attention is distant. We're physically present, but relationally absent. Our society used to tell stories of the parent missing the kid's soccer game because of work. But with our always connected technology, now the parent can be physically at the game but still miss the child making that game-winning pass because their eyes are glued to the screen. When we're relationally absent, and I reckon it's even more pronounced when we're physically present but our attention is elsewhere, being absent speaks volumes. But when someone is truly, wholly present... It says something about their love for you. And as we pay attention to how the birth of Jesus came about, we hear our Christmas, the coming of Jesus, is a call to know the presence of God. Uh, The account of Jesus' birth starts with a bang. Uh, There's an unexpected pregnancy and Joseph is not happy. He's not happy because the woman making the announcement is his fiancée. They're betrothed to each other And this news can only mean one thing. You can imagine how Joseph feels. He and Mary are not married and neither are they pretending to be. He knows this baby is not his and he knows enough biology to have a guess about what's been going on. We're not told how he feels, but we can imagine. So read this account again from sentence 18. So it's in the inside of your bulletin, sentence number 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Joseph's response is what you'd expect, to break off the engagement. If Mary can't keep her word to him, Well, then she won't be his wife. But God intervenes. An angelic messenger comes in a dream and reveals the true explanation for Mary's growing belly. Verse, uh, sorry, this is sentence number 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you will you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Wouldn't you love to know what was going through Joseph's mind? This baby isn't his, though there's no bloke he can blame, no bloke he can take his anger out on. The child has been miraculously conceived. This child is from God in a unique way. 
in a unique way, but at the same time, this child is like another child. Uh, The impending birth echoes with another birth from about 800 years earlier. And so after hearing the angel's message, in sentence 22, the author, Matthew, steps in and reminds us of this other birth to help us see more of what's going on. So read with me, sentence 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Everything that's going on fulfills what was said by a prophet. Uh, The prophet is Isaiah from about 800 years before Jesus. 800 years before Jesus, this prophet spoke about a baby born whose name would be God with us. Now we read part of this prophecy earlier, so we need to go back there to work out what's going on and how it sheds light on Mary's baby. Isaiah was a prophet, he was a, a messenger from God, but unlike Joseph's messenger, Isaiah is human. He spoke to a king of Israel named Ahaz. Uh, God gave Ahaz a warning and an opportunity. And he said he would know the truth of this warning and the truth of the promised opportunity because of a sign. Something would happen that would prove uh, what Isaiah said was really a message, a warning from God. Uh, This is what God said. I'll put it up on the screen. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Uh, What's Isaiah saying? Ahaz Keep your ears open for a child named Emmanuel, a child whose mother is a a virgin or a a young woman. The word translated virgin uh, in the original language is is a curious word. The word can either mean young woman or virgin. In English Bibles, depending on the context, it's it's a common word in the Old Testament, uh, it's translated either way. But regardless of which meaning it's taking on in this context, it's never anywhere else used in the Bible in connection with a mum. In the Hebrew Bible, this word is never used for a mother except here. So it's a curiously suggestive word. Now my guess is, 800 years before Jesus, in the first instance of Isaiah's prophecy, the virgin was a young married woman. But as Matthew says, what happened to Mary fulfills what Isaiah said. Matthew shows there's a fuller expectation to Isaiah's prophecy. The word virgin is translated in our Bibles correctly. It's giving us a hint of the fuller fulfillment. Isaiah was not only speaking of a young woman in his day, giving birth to a son, naming him Emmanuel, but Isaiah was truly speaking of Mary, someone who was engaged but not married, And so in Mary, something more profound has happened than in Isaiah's day. In Isaiah's day, this child's name would have been understood as something like, God is with us, he's paying attention to us, he's not ignoring us. God sees our situation and he's going to help us. But in the miraculous conception of Jesus, as Jesus comes into the world through God the Holy Spirit, something bigger and more amazing happens. The virgin conception of Jesus means the one growing inside Mary is no normal child. He's no normal person. 
But without a human father, this is the God-man. As we sang in O Come All You Faithful, this is true God of true God. Uh, When you meet a child and then you meet her parents, you often notice, oh, she's got her mum's blue eyes and her dad's curly hair. The truth of Emmanuel, the meaning of the virgin conception is when you meet Mary's child, you have to say, well, his humanity, that's that's all from his mum, but his divinity, his sinlessness, everything amazing about him comes from God the Holy Spirit. True God, true humanity, united in one person. Emmanuel puts to death, sorry, puts to bed, let's be a little bit less extreme, let's put to bed the idea, I found in the song made famous by Bette Midler, God is not watching us from a distance. Uh, These are some of the lyrics of the song, if you're young enough or old enough to not have been there in that sweet spot in the 80s. Uh, From a distance we have all, we all have enough. And no one is in need. And there are no guns, no bombs and no disease, no hungry mouths to feed. From a distance, you look like my friend. Even though we are at war, God is watching us from a distance. It's a really sad song, isn't it? From a distance, we can fake peace. We can pretend everything's all right. And maybe that's why we don't do presence with one another. Uh, This is why even when we are physically present, we're emotionally distant. Our attention is elsewhere because this way we can fake peace. We can ignore the problems between us. But as Jesus is born, true God of true God come into our world. True God and true humanity united in one person. It means God is not distant but near. God is present in our humanity in the person of Jesus. In Jesus, God comes into our real world, a world where there are guns and war, where people don't share, so some feast daily while others starve. God isn't watching from a distance. In Jesus, God comes into the real world, the world that's a mess because of what we read in sentence 21, because of sin. Look again at sentence 21. The angel tells Joseph, You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. What is it that we need saving from? Go back to Isaiah's day. In Isaiah's day, the baby named God with us was a double-edged sword. His name means both the rescue of those who turn to God and punishment for those who refuse. In our reading earlier, we didn't read the whole account, and so we need to fill in some gaps. Uh, The story begins with God telling Isaiah to take a message to King Ahaz and he's to take his son along with him. Like Emmanuel, his son's name has a meaning. His son is named Shear Jashub, which means a remnant will return or maybe a better translation is a remnant will repent. Remnant means a small group. And so God tells Isaiah, take your little boy with you to meet the king. And as you introduce your son to the king, He'll hear a message in his name. Repent, turn back to God. God is calling Ahaz to join the small, humble, faithful group. Turn back to God. Stop trusting in military and political allegiances. Turn away from selfishness, greed and idolatry that's been endemic in all the kings before you. And if you do this, 
if you join this small group and return to God, God's promise is God will protect and care for you. But but if you don't, and this is where the birth of the first Emmanuel comes in, if Ahaz doesn't turn to God, things will go from bad to worse. Whilst Emmanuel is an infant or toddler, destruction will come. Israel will be destroyed by the Assyrian Empire. And the question you might ask is, how does this threat of obliteration, how is this God with us? It sounds more like God against us. Well, it depends on who the us is. Emmanuel is a call to Ahaz, to to God's ancient people. Will you hear God's call and repent? Will you join the small faithful group? Will you join the us God is with? Jesus is born to save his people, to save us from sin. Sin is the the Bible's word for rebellion or autonomy. We live if God is at best watching us from a distance. He has no role in our lives. We don't need him and we definitely don't need to live his ways. That's what sin is. And the angel's message to to name the child Jesus, which means rescuer or saviour, the angel is saying, because of sin, you are in danger. We are in two kinds of imminent danger because we live as if God is distant. We don't need to look far to see we aren't doing a good job when we live life our own way. We continue to make destructive decisions. And our Christmas tables are sometimes examples of this. The family member who isn't invited because of the conflict that's been going on for years. And both of you know it's ridiculous. Neither can remember what the cause of the conflict even was, but you're both too proud to apologise and you're both too stuck in the cycle of conflict to reconnect and refriend. Or maybe the difficult relative is there at the kitchen table, the Christmas table. And the reason we're stuck on our phones is we'd rather be present with those who are not in the room. The Bible says these broken relationships are caused by sin, that we've all turned away from God and away from his loving kindness. And what's more, the Bible says God will judge those. This is the second imminent danger. The Bible says God will judge those who continue to ignore him and his presence. We're jumping to the end of the story here, but that Jesus died, rose and ascended to heaven, built into that is the promise that he will return to judge the living and the dead. Sin is bad news. And so the presence of God may well be bad news. But who is it who's going to return to judge the living and the dead? It's the one named Jesus. The one named Saviour or rescuer. We've seen it again in the last few weeks, those being rescued from floodwaters in North Queensland. Jesus comes as our rescuer, the the one who rescues us not only from ourselves and the, the mess we make of our relationships, but even from the judgment that is to come. And Jesus is all in as a rescuer. He's not a distant rescuer throwing a, a flotation device or dropping a rope. No, Jesus is God with us. He is physically present with us. He was born of a virgin, true God and true humanity united in one person. He is true God who took on our humanity to be our saviour. 
as the American theologian Stanley Hauvas has reflected, virgin births are not surprising, given that this is the God who has created us without us, but who will not save us without us. God will not save us without us. The coming of Jesus being miraculously born through Mary shows God's saving love for us. In Jesus, God is fully present. He comes into our world, experiences the mess we've made because of our sin, and he does this so we can be rescued and experience the presence of God. Uh, The birth of Jesus, Emmanuel, Saviour, Saviour, God with us, is an invitation and a warning. Will you receive him, his salvation, and will you enjoy his presence forever? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the coming of Jesus, that his birth of a virgin shows you are with us. You are with us in our Saviour, Jesus. We praise you that this shows us your love. You have not abandoned us, but are present with us. Help us also hear the warning that if we are not with you, if we are not in Christ by faith, Emmanuel will mean judgment. Help us take this message to heart this Christmas, that we might know your certain love. Amen.